Welcome to the Christian Faith Center podcast. We're glad you're joining us today. Here's a message from one of our pastors. Uh, today's message is the fourth message in my series about family values. And a quick recap, if you haven't been here the past couple of Sundays where I've been preaching, um, you know, we are a part of a lot of different family units, right? We're a part of God's family first and foremost, and uh, we have our families here. And there's values that are within God's family that really closely mirror the values that we need to have in our families. And the first message, the first part was about how we are a part of God's family, And then we can trust God. And last Sunday we talked about how, you know, that God wants us to have unity in our families. Because why? We have unity with him. And today's family value that we're going to be studying is forgiveness. And I just want to read a brief story to lead into the message today. It's called Building Bridges. Once upon a time, two brothers shared adjoining farms. And for over 40 years, they worked side by side, sharing equipment and helping each other out whenever needed. Then one day a rift developed. It began with a small misunderstanding, and it grew into a major difference. And finally, it exploded into an exchange of bitter words, followed by months of angry silence. One day, the eldest brother, Pete, was out in his field, and when a truck pulled up, out jumped a man who approached him carrying a carpenter's toolbox, and he said, I'm looking for a few days' work. Perhaps you'd have some small jobs? He said, well, yes, I do, said Peter. And he said, see the creek down there? It's the border between my brother's farm and mine. My brother keeps it nice and and deep to stop me from setting one foot on his beloved farm. Well, I'll oblige him. I want you to take that timber over there and by the barn and build a new fence, a really tall one, so I don't even have to look over at my brother's farm. The carpenter was glad just to have work. He said, no worries. I understand. Just point me to your post hole digger and I'll get the job done. So the carpenter set about working, and meanwhile, the farmer drove into town, and when he returned at sunset, he was shocked to see what the carpenter had done. There was no fence. Instead, the carpenter had built a bridge, and walking across it was Pete's younger brother. He held out his hand and spoke to him, said, Pete, after all I've done to you these past few weeks, I can't believe you'd still reach out to me. You're right. It's time to bury the hatchet. The two brothers met in the middle of the bridge and embraced. They turned to see the carpenter hoist his toolbox. No, wait, stay a few days. I have a lot of other projects for you, said Pete. I'd love to stay on, the carpenter said, but I have more bridges to build. Open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4, please. Ephesians chapter 4. You know, forgiveness is powerful, isn't it? Forgiveness is powerful. Forgiveness is something that when you've experienced it from God, it radically changes your life, amen? When, you, when we experience true forgiveness from God, it's something that changes our entire existence. And, and on a personal level, when, when we interact with the people around us and we receive forgiveness, maybe for our mistakes, it helps us. And when we give forgiveness, it'll help that person too. See, forgiveness means three things. It means to let go, to release, or permit to depart. See, when we forgive, we let go. We take what was in our hands and we drop it. We release. It means we take that strong grip we have on it and we release. We ease off of it. And and as I was studying, when I was studying that word release, what came to mind is when you drive a stick shift car, right? How many of us know how to drive stick in here? God bless you, right? That's a good skill to have. When I learned, it was very challenging. I learned on the first car that I ever got that was stick, which really wasn't probably the best thing to learn, right? Especially if it was like a newer car. Learning stick on a newer car isn't really like the best thing to do. But I remember my father teaching me, right? You have to push down the clutch 
And you have to ease off. And as you ease off, if you just pop the clutch off, right, what happens? Car stops, just stalls. There has to be something that replaces. As you release the clutch, you have to do what? You have to ease onto the gas, right? See, forgiveness is just like that. It's that slow release. I have to release that pain, that hurt, and then I have to press into God. And as I press into God, then the forgiveness happens. I have to release it out of my control and put it in God's hands. And the third definition is if I permit it to depart. I'm giving it permission to go. See, so many times forgiveness is tough because we hold on to it for so long, we are, we are not allowing it to leave. See, forgiveness means I am giving it permission to go. Did we all find Ephesians chapter 4? Let's look at verse 32. Ephesians 4 verse 32. It says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. See, it's all about forgiveness, both in the family of God and in the families that we are a part of. See, Jesus has forgiven us of this amazing, tremendous debt that we owed. He let go of what separated us and God. He released us from sin. He's permitted us to depart from an old way of life into a new way of life. All of that has been forgiven. And because of all of that that's been forgiven in my life, we can forgive. Amen? Because of what Christ Jesus has forgiven us, we can forgive. And that's what we're going to study this morning. Let's pray before we go any further. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray, Father, that every single person in here, Lord, including myself, grows in our understanding of what it means to forgive. Father, that we don't just get information, that we get revelation to the truth that is found in your word, Lord. So that if there's people in our lives that we need to forgive, Lord, that you will give us the strength to do just that. You will give us the strength and the boldness, Lord, to forgive those who have either wronged us or hurt us in the past, Lord. But that we will let go, that we will release, and we will be permitted to move on, Father, from that pain and that hurt. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you can, please turn to Colossians chapter 3, please. Colossians chapter 3. And the first thing I want us to look at this morning is that forgiveness is really like a heart posture. Forgiveness is kind of the way that we posture our lives and how we live and how we think and how we act, right? It says in Psalm 103 that he has not dealt with us according to our sins or punished us according to our iniquities. For the heavens are high above the earth. So great is his mercy towards us that those who fear him as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions or our sin from us. See, we have to understand that forgiveness is a, is a heart posture that I have. When we understand the depth of our forgiveness, it frees us. It frees us. It encourages us. And it changes us. You know why in Psalm 103 it says that your sins have been separated as far as the east is from the west and not the north is from the south? Because if you look at a globe, is there a north pole? Yes. There is a point that is the topmost point on the globe. It is a definitive point both on the North Pole and on the South Pole. Is there a definitive East Point and West Point? No. Because what has happened is when God has forgiven us of our sins, it's separated us as far as the East is from the West, which means it's not even visible in our line of sight anymore. We can't even get access to that point anymore. Why? Because that's how much God values forgiveness. It's not like you can go back and find it again. Oh, it's over there. No, it's, it's separated us. And no matter how far we try to go back and find it, God says, no, it's as far as the east is from the west. You are not finding it again. That's what real forgiveness is. Man, God is a good God, amen? Did we all find Colossians chapter 3? 
Look at verse 13 here. It says, bear with each other, be patient, and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Let's look at this again. Bear with each other. It's another way of saying be patient, right? Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. It says be patient there, right? Be patient and forgive because why? Patience and forgiveness go hand in hand. Some of us have been waiting long times for people to forgive us or that we've been waiting long times for someone to say that they're sorry. And the time might come where they never say that they're sorry, but we still have to forgive them because patience and forgiveness go hand in hand. See, God is so patient with us. Even if we, if we make mistakes, I was talking with someone before church about how there's so many times we try to help people, right? We try to give them instruction, and, and I try to, like, tell my son to do something, right? Like, hey, don't do this, and he doesn't listen to me, and he does it. And I'm just like, why did you do that, right? But I have to be patient with him. And how many times has God been patient with us when he's like, why did you do that? I just told you not to do that, and, I just, and you just did it. But what? He still forgives us, Amen. He's still patient with us. He's never going to run out of patience. See, we want things, and sometimes what we want does align with God's plan for us. The problem is the timeline. Lord, I want it now. He's like, well, now's not a good time for it. If you plant a seed and you uproot it before it has roots, right, it's going to die. If you take that little seedling out before it has roots and try to move it, or if you try to dig it up to see what it, how it's growing, it's going to die. Why? Because sometimes we have to be patient. Amen? We have to trust God. We have to trust his timing. Remember, it's God that is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. It's, that, it's God that can do that. So when we know that forgiveness is a promise, when we know that there is something that is from God, we have to trust in him. Because if I want it and it aligns with God's word, God wants it more for me than I want it. Because he wants to do immeasurably more than I can even ask, think, or imagine. Man, God is powerful, isn't he? God is awesome. If he can be patient with me, then I have the ability to be patient with those around me. Oh, but Nick, you don't know who I work with. No, you don't know who I work with, okay? But my coworkers, yeah, but my coworkers. If God can be patient with us, right, you can be patient with the people that you work with. God bless all the people that work with us, amen? So many times we forget our, our job is our mission field. Our job is our primary mission field. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whoever you interact with, there is no one that is sometimes more important than the people you work with as your mission field. Your family and your job can be your mission field. So be patient with them, amen? See, the way forgiveness is used here in Colossians 3 is so important. It says, look, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Now, we know that in, in the, the way the scriptures were recorded and how they were written, the, the verb tenses are really important. How they say the actions is really, really important. See, the word forgive is what you and I do right now. So you and I, if we have something that's been bothering us, someone that's offended us, someone that we haven't let go of, something that we haven't released, we have to now, today, forgive. That's how that word is used. Forgive now, because why? The Lord has forgave you. The Lord forgave you. See, that word forgiven means it was done in the past, it's going to happen today, and it will always happen. See, we have to forgive now because God has forgiven us of all of our past mistakes. He'll forgive us today of anything wrong that we do, and if we make a mistake tomorrow, he's already going to forgive us. It's a promised thing. That's how good our God is. He has done. He will do today, and he will always do it. Praise God for that. 
And because I have that kind of forgiveness, right, because that's how I have been forgiven, I can forgive today. Because I've been forgiven in the past, I've been forgiven in the present, and I'll be forgiven in the future, I can forgive today. Because why? God's love changes us, doesn't it? When we have that encounter, when we experience forgiveness, it changes us. It changes how we interact with God first off, and it changes how we interact with people. We can forgive now because before we needed forgiveness, we were already forgiven. Before we recognized the need to have forgiveness, the price was already paid for for our sins over 2,000 years ago on that cross. If we need forgiveness today, we have forgiveness today. If you need forgiveness tomorrow, guess what? It's promised, amen? Because God has always offered forgiveness and will offer it today and will always offer it because he's done that, we can do the same, amen? And I was studying and I, and I was thinking about the, the, when, when Peter talks to Jesus and, and, and about, you know, how many times do we need to forgive? Lord, how many times should I forgive? Seven times? 70 times seven. 490 times I got to forgive someone? Yes. That, that's really hard, Jesus. He goes, well, let me tell you a story here, okay? Gives a good parable. There was a servant who owed a lot of money to a ruler. And so what happens is the ruler says, okay, you owe me the money. And it's 10,000 talents. In today's terms, if it's $8 per hour, like minimum wage, this servant owed this king about $7 billion, okay? Any of you owe $7 billion to anyone before? No. It's probably like the most terrifying thought imaginable. He owed lifetimes and lifetimes and lifetimes of money to this ruler, right? And so what does he do? He grovels before the king. He says, please just forgive me of this debt. The king was like, all right, I'm going to sell you, your family, your children all into slavery to pay back the debt. You owe me this debt. You got to pay up. $7 billion pay up. He's like, I can't do it. So what does the, the, the justful ruler do? He goes, I'll forgive you that debt. So the servant goes away. But what happens is the parable talks about the ungrateful servant. See, this man that was forgiven this billion-dollar debt was ungrateful because when someone owed him a debt of $11,000 approximately, what did he do? He wanted him locked up. He wanted, him be- he wanted the money now. I wanted it now. What was the point of the story? The point is, We have been that servant that owed $7 billion. We owed a debt that we could never pay. And yet God has said, I forgive you of that debt. Now go be a good servant. Amen? God does not want us to be the ungrateful servant. He wants us to be the grateful servant. To remember that we owed a debt that we could never pay. We can never do enough good works to earn God's righteousness, his salvation, his provision, his grace. We can't do anything to earn it. That's why it's called grace. It is unearned. It is unmerited. It is undeserved. But it's given because of Jesus. Amen? There's nothing that we can do to make God love us less. He might be disappointed in our life choices, but he will never love you any less than he does today. He can never love you any more. He can never love you any less. Because why? God is love. 1 John 4, 8 says God is love. He loves because he is love. And because he's loving, he's forgiving. Amen? Jesus tried to prove a point. doesn't matter how many times you have to forgive. Just keep forgiving right? It says 70 70 times 7 or 77 times, whatever. The number is not important. What is important is the fact that you've got to keep forgiving and forgiving and forgiving and forgiving. If we forgive seven times for the same offense, it's hard, right? If someone does the same mistake more than one time, like, I got to forgive you again for this thing? And they do it five more times, seven times. You made the same mistake seven times. You want me to forgive you seven times? Yes, that's okay. Because why? 
we've been forgiven a $7 billion debt, amen? See, always keep that in mind. See, the parables that Jesus spoke are so important, and they're so practical, and they're so applicable to our lives, aren't they? We have to recognize this. Keep this in perspective. See, when someone hurts us or wrongs us, and we, we don't want to forgive them of that debt, we've got to remember the debt that we've been forgiven, amen? No condemnation. It's just, making, it's just putting things in perspective, right? We don't feel bad. We, we, we reverence that. We honor that. We're like, yeah, Lord, thank you for that. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving me of my debt. I can forgive them of that small debt that they owe me. Amen? Turn to Genesis chapter 45, please. Genesis chapter 45. See what happens when we forgive. See, when we forgive, it's powerful. We've been forgiven. Praise God that we've been forgiven. Amen? We've been forgiven. But when we forgive, it's powerful. When we forgive, something happens, something that's dramatic, something that's radical. And we're going to look here in Genesis 45 about one of the first major moments of forgiveness in the Old Testament. Genesis 45. We're going to look at the story of Joseph. I know most of us know this story. Right, at this point in Genesis 45, Joseph is second highest in command, right, in Egypt, the, the most prominent powerful nation on the face of the earth at that time. He's number two. And his brothers have come to him during this famine time, right? His brothers have sold him into slavery. That they, 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 the father loved Joseph, and the brothers hated the fact that the father loved Joseph. He gives him this beautiful coat. They take the coat. They sell him into slavery. They rip up the coat. They put animal blood on it. They say, Dad, look, he's dead. Okay? Did Joseph have every right to hold a grudge to his brothers? Yeah. Okay? Yeah. I'll give you the, the, cheat, the answer. Yes, say yes, right? Did Joseph have a right to hold a grudge? He absolutely did. He, everything was pointing towards him saying, I have every right to be upset with them. I have every right. They robbed me of my family. They robbed me of my status with my dad. They robbed me of relationship. They robbed me of freedom. 13 years I was a prisoner. They robbed me of all of that. And now God has promoted me to number two in the land, and now they need something from me. He had every right to tell them, no, get out of here and die. Send dad, you guys can go fend for yourselves, right? But he didn't do that because he was able to what? Forgive them. Look at verse 3, Genesis 45, verse 3. <clears throat> Joseph said to his brothers, I'm Joseph. So now he recognizes their heart. He's tested them to see, are these the same brothers that sold me into slavery, that robbed me of being with my family, or have they changed? And he tests them, and he sees that they've changed. So now he comes clean. Because before this moment, they didn't know who he was. Verse 3, he says, Joseph said, I'm Joseph. Is my father still living? And his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. And verse 4, then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. Verse 5, and now do not be distressed. Do not be grieved is what it says in the King James. Do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives or preserve, it says in the King James, right? That I was here to save lives, that God sent me ahead of you. Look at verse five again. He says, do not be distressed, do not be angry because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. See, he's telling his brothers, listen, okay, they're starting to realize this because they're terrified. It says in verse three, they realized this and were terrified, because the very man that they sold into slavery now has this position of status above them, and they need something from the guy that they sold into slavery and lied about. So how many of us would probably be a little terrified too in that situation, right? Like, oh, Joseph, okay, so we're dead, 
right? We're dead now, guys. We're dead. Cool. Let's just assume that we're dead and we're not getting any food, right? But no, that's not what happened. They were terrified. But he says, look, don't be distressed. Don't be angry. God sent me ahead of you. God gave me the provision. He set everything up so that I can have the provision for you guys for this moment right now. Don't be distressed. Don't be in pain. Don't be angry. It all worked out okay. How can Joseph tell them this? Because that's how he felt. He wasn't angry. He wasn't distressed. He had a different perspective on the situation to know that, hey, listen, God could take this bad situation and make it a really good situation. God wanted me here. This is the method he used to get me here. If God wanted to do it a different way, God could do it however he wanted to. But he, he let the brothers do this. He said Joseph can be positioned in this high status of, of number two in Egypt. He's telling them, don't be distressed because why? Joseph wasn't distressed. Don't be angry. Why? Joseph wasn't angry. God sent me ahead of you. He, he wasn't in pain. He wasn't angry with them. He saw how God worked it all together for good. Amen? Because it says God works all things together for good, right, to those that love him, those that are called according to his purpose. See, when we're followers of Christ, we are called according to his purpose. Amen? There's such a verse that's misquoted so many times. See, God doesn't work everything out for everybody. He works it out for his children who are following him. Because why? We have faith in God. Amen? It's not just like, oh, everything's going to work out because God's figured out. No, no. That is a promise of being a child of a good father that he'll work everything out. That if you're going through a bad period, if you're going through a 13-year slavery period like Joseph went through, God's going to work it out and give you promotion at the end. Amen? you got to keep faith and keep trusting God. Joseph forgave. And because Joseph forgave, he experienced three things. Ready? He experienced peace, provision, and a plan. God's plan. Right, Drake fans are thinking of the song right now, okay? Get it out of your head. You're in church, okay? Right? God gave three things. Joseph forgave, and he experienced three things. And when we forgive, we experience three things. We experience peace, right, with those that have hurt us. We, we experience provision, how God gives us anything that we need in the situation that we're currently in. And then we experience the plan that God has for us. Because even in a situation, we know people have free will. People can do whatever they want to. But even in their free will, I know that God is greater than their choices against me. I can forgive them and move on. And God can use that situation to keep me going on the plan that he has for me. Amen? Everyone with me here? See, when we forgive, what's the result? We get peace. See, when we forgive those that have hurt us, we get peace, right? They won't hurt us anymore. Why? Because they can't. When we forgive, it, we're not giving them the power to hurt us anymore. When I forgive that person, they can't hurt me anymore. They don't have the power to. Because what? I let it go. I released it. I gave it permission to leave when I forgive. We get provision. God's got to supply something for you. It might be joy. It might be happiness. It might be freedom. It might be strength. It might be a new perspective. See, God gives us those to use them. When you're going through that tough time, when we forgive, he's going to give us the provision to keep going through, right? Joseph's gift that he had from God, he was able to understand dreams and then speak what the dream meant. That was a provision that God gave him. That was a tool that God gave him to help promote him and elevate him. It took time. It took 13 years of being enslaved before the provision came to pass, but he was faithful. He never lost sight of God. He always trusted in God, and then God elevated him at the end. 
It says, yea, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil. For thou art with me, thou rod, and thy staff, they protect me, they comfort me. What are we doing? You walk through the valley. Amen? As children of God, we are walking through the valley. Sometimes as we walk through that valley, we might get hurt. We have to forgive and keep walking. Amen? Third thing was a plan, right? You're not going to be held back anymore. You're going to move forward in what God has in store for you. See, when you forgive, you can move forward. When you can't forgive, it's like you're shackled to that thing that you can't let go of. And so every time you try to move, you can't. Every time you try to take a step, you can't. Why? Because you are attached to what you cannot forgive. You are attached to what you cannot let go. You are attached to what you cannot release. But Joseph forgave them. You know what's interesting? We don't see the word forgive until chapter 50 in Genesis. So look at chapter 50 in Genesis. Look at verse 15. Genesis chapter 50, verse 15. Joseph's telling him, he says, look, I, I'm not angry with you. I forgive you. God, God had a plan in all this, so don't worry about it. But then later on, we don't see this word forgiveness used until now Jacob dies, until Joseph's father actually dies. So in verse 15, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to them? See, they, they didn't receive the forgiveness yet. Joseph was telling them, listen, I, I'm not angry with you. God, God used this to promote me. It's okay. I forgive you. But they were still in fear, right? Because fear can hold us back from receiving forgiveness too. Look at verse 15 again. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you would say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers their sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now, please forgive the sins of the servants of God, of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came, verse 18, and they threw themselves down before him. They said, we are your slaves. Verse 19, but Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? See, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he assured them, he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. See, forgiveness results in what? Peace, right? It results in provision. It results in a plan. But forgiveness also provides us with something else, perspective. Forgiveness provides us with perspective. See, at this moment, right, the brothers, first off, they lie. They write to Joseph and say, well, dad said this, but that's not what the father said. He's now dead. But still, Joseph had compassion. And because Joseph already has forgiven them, he didn't have to re-forgive them. The brothers didn't receive the forgiveness yet. See, some of us in the room, you might have been forgiven, but you haven't received the forgiveness yet. Someone might, you might have hurt someone and they might have apologized or you, they might not even be around anymore and you want them to forgive you and they can't because they might not even be here. But God's saying, I will forgive you from that mistake. I will forgive you of that situation. Receive forgiveness. You don't have to lie to me. You don't have to try to put up a front. Just receive the forgiveness that's there. It says that Joseph reassured them. He assured them once and then he had to reassure them again because they couldn't receive the forgiveness that he already gave to them. For Joseph, he saw his current position as a means to help the family. He wasn't concerned about the petty quarrels. He wasn't concerned about, you know, the missed breaks. Because it could have been really easy for him to think of, oh, man, I missed out on so much. 
I missed out on birthdays. I missed out on parties. I missed out on celebrations. I missed out on freedom. I missed out on going to the store whenever I wanted to because I was in a prison for 13 years. I was hurt. I was, I was in the right. I didn't do anything wrong. He could have done all of this. He could have thought about all the I was, right? I was hurt. I was wronged. I had every right to be upset. I had everything. See, we can do the same thing. I can get caught up in the I was, I was, I was. But instead of getting caught up in the I was, I have to get caught up in the I am. The I am is Jesus. I have to get caught up in the I am. Because if I keep getting caught up in the I was, I'm going to be trapped. I'm going to be enslaved. You might have every reason to walk out that prison door. Joseph didn't have that. You and I have the freedom. The prison door is swung open. What do we have to do? Forgive and just walk right through the door. Instead of thinking about the I was, remember, think about the I am. Because that's what really matters. Amen? It's all about the great I am. It's all about Jesus and about the relationship that we have with him. The fact that he's forgiven us such a great, immeasurable debt. I can forgive those around me. I can forgive the ones that lied about me, that slandered me, that removed me from my family, that caused harm, that imprisoned me. I can forgive all of them because why? I've been forgiven. Amen? Turn to Mark chapter 11, please. Mark chapter 11. One of the greatest examples of forgiveness in history is Jesus. Amen? The greatest example of forgiveness in history is Jesus. And in Mark chapter 11 here, we're going to look at verse 20. See, before this moment, this is where Jesus curses the fig tree. Before this moment, right, they're going to the temple. He sees a fig tree. Jesus curses the fig tree. He goes in. They're, they're essentially stealing from the people of God. They're lying. So Jesus goes and he turns the tables over. Tell them, you made a ha- my, my father's house a house of thieves, a house of lies, right? And so now this happens here. And then in Mark 11 and verse 20, we see that now after Jesus goes into the, the temple, he curses the fig tree for not having fruit. He goes in, he, he turns over the tables because these religious leaders were, were just making these wrong deals. They were overcharging because see back then, at that Passover time, you had to have a good sacrifice for God. And the way they monopolized it is that, well, if you want a good sacrifice, you've got to go to the people of God. And so the priests were in charge of charging how much the perfect dove would cost. And so they were essentially robbing people because they're like, well, this dove, you know, it costs, I don't know, $100. When the dove should have cost $5 or whatever. So they were, they were robbing God's people. So Jesus goes there, and he's offended at what they're doing to his father's house. And so now they're leaving. And as they're leaving, look at verse 20. In the morning, as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. And Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. And Jesus says in 22, have faith in what? The fig tree? No. Have faith in the words that I said? No. No. Have faith in God. Jesus answered, truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, go, throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Verse 24. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, Believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, do what? Forgive. Forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. He's saying what? Have faith, pray, believe, forgive. 
What was, she, what was Jesus talking about? Have faith in God, right? What was Jesus trying to show the disciples in cursing of the fig tree? He was trying to show them the authority that, one, he had, right? But then other, number two is the power of speaking words in faith. He showed them two things. One, who he was, the authority he had. And number two, that the, the, the power of speaking words in faith because he cursed it. He physically spoke the words, and that situation changed, right? See, when we hold on to unforgiveness, we're focusing on a dead fig tree instead of a Messiah. When I cannot forgive people, I'm worried about the situation versus the one that can forgive me and help me move on. It's like I'm looking at a dead tree versus a living Messiah. See, God does not want us just to focus on the situation. He wants us to focus on the solution to the problem, which is Jesus. He wants us to focus on the solution, which is a relationship with God the Father through the Son, Jesus Christ. Because when we forgive, we're not trusting in ourselves or the person or the situation, I'm trusting in God, amen? See, faith focuses on God, not the circumstance. And forgiving means you trust God more than you trust that that person will say, I'm sorry. I'm gonna say that again. See, forgiving means that you trust God more than you trust that person will say that they're sorry. Because sometimes that person will never say that they're sorry. Sometimes they've hurt us and we are in the right, and we don't deserve to apologize to them. They deserve to apologize to us. But if I'm constantly hoping for that moment of them saying, oh, I'm sorry and groveling, I'm never going to be released from the pain. I'm never going to be released. I'm going to be constantly looking at a dead fig tree versus a savior who's giving me life. This tree has death. He's giving me life. See, when I forgive, even if the person's not going to ask for forgiveness, I'm still going to forgive them. Even if they've hurt me and they don't come back to me and say, I'm sorry, I'm still going to release them. I'm still going to put them away. I'm still going to let it go. Why? Because that's what has happened to me. Amen? When we forgive, we trust God. We're not trusting in the person, the situation. See, if our faith can move mountains, wouldn't it be able to help us forgive? It's not like it's a coincidence that Jesus is talking about praying, believing, speaking words of faith and forgiveness. They all go together. They're not just separate verses that we pick out to talk about on a Sunday morning. This is one cohesive thought that Jesus is sharing with the disciples. Believe, pray, have faith, speak words of life. Oh, yeah, and forgive. How does that go together? You have to have faith in God that when you forgive that person, you will be released. You have to have faith in God that when you say, I forgive you, even if they don't ask for forgiveness, you can let go and move on. Forgive, that verb, the way it's used, right? I love this. It means that you all, right? It's talking about us all, right? Y'all, like if you're in Texas, right? The way it's used, y'all, right? Y'all need to stop doing it. You all need to do it and don't stop doing it. That's what it means. Forgiveness means that we all, every one of us, all of us, need to forgive and don't stop forgiving. Forgive now for what has happened and then keep forgiving in the future. Why? Because how many times should we forgive? What did Jesus say? 70 times 7. 77 times. A whole lot. Keep on forgiving. It's okay. Why? What was the debt that we owed? What was the debt that we were forgiven? Amen. That debt that someone owes us, we can let it go, amen? Just a drop in the ocean. Don't worry about it. Look at verse 24 again, Mark 11, verse 24. He says this, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, what? Forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. 
See, Jesus knew in the future that he was going to be the mediator between us and God, right? It's in 1 Timothy 2.5. Jesus knew in the future that he was going to be the mediator between us and God. And so now he's helping the disciples understand the importance of the covenant between us and God and him being the mediator. It's about forgiveness. Because does Jesus know what was going to happen to him? Absolutely. In Mark 14, he says, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but you will. What was Jesus talking about? He was talking about his crucifixion. He was talking about his punishment. He was talking about his trial. He knew what was happening. He knew what was coming. He knew that he was going to be the mediator between us and God. He's going to be the guarantee of a better covenant, of a better promise, a better situation, a better relationship. Did Jesus know the pain he was going to suffer? Absolutely. Again, in, verse, in Luke twenty-two forty-three, 43, it says, Now an angel from heaven appeared to him to strengthen him. And being in agony in the garden as he's praying, ve- ve- vehemently, feverently, his blood became like drops, his, his sweat became like drops of blood falling upon the ground. This is actually a real medical condition. It's caused by great stress. It's not just some kind of weird religious thing. This is a proven thing, right? That when, when people are under extreme distress and extreme pain and extreme worry, that, that little bits of blood come through the pores. And as they sweat, right, the blood is in the sweat. And what's amazing is this. As you study that out, what does that do to the rest of your body? It makes it more sensitive, if you go through this, this, this process of sweating blood, right, because the blood's coming through different pores in different areas, it makes your skin much more tender. So because Jesus was in stress, because he, was, he knew what was coming, he's sweating drops of blood. When they were whipping him with the cat of nine tails, it hurt more than it normally would. Jesus knew what was coming. Jesus knew that he was going to be the one that mediated between what we need and, and our heavenly father. He knew all of these things. But you don't just sweat blood worrying about the day-to-day lives, right? You sweat blood when you are 100% God and 100% man ready to bear the penalty of the sins of the world. That's when you sweat blood. It says in 1 John 2, 2, he is the atoning sacrifice of our sins. And not only for ours, but the sins of the entire world. 2 Corinthians 5, 19. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ and not counting the people's sins against them. And he committed to us the message of reconciliation. See, Jesus knew what he was doing. You sweat drops of blood when you realize you're going to have to be, go to the cross. You're going to be beaten. You're going to be whipped. You're going to be pierced. That you're going to do something else after all of that. You're going to publicly forgive those who did all of those things to you. That's what Jesus did. He knew it was coming. Sweating drops of blood, knowing the, the immense pressure of, of being in that situation, contemplating, going through the cross, going and carrying the cross, being whipped, the piercing, the beating, the mocking, the ridicule, the humiliation of being on top of a cross naked in front of a group of people. All of those things, right? But the purpose was better than the process. The purpose of forgiveness mattered more than the process of getting to the cross. Providing forgiveness and salvation was greater than the pain that he had to endure. And that's why he did it. The process didn't matter because the purpose mattered more than the process. You sweat drops of blood when you realize the cost of offering forgiveness to the entire world. And that's what Jesus did. 
Why did Jesus say, forgive others before you pray so that God the Father may forgive you? See, when we receive forgiveness for all of our past mistakes and all of and our sin under the grace and mercy of God, right? An offense from someone else is like nothing. It's like a drop in the water. When we receive that forgiveness from Jesus, when we remember that he went to that cross to forgive us of the penalty for our mistakes and our wrongs and our problems, he, he paid the penalty for sin. He paid the penalty for that sin, and because we owed a debt that we could never pay, I don't have $7 billion in the bank to pay that big debt off. But God said, it's okay, it's forgiven, don't worry about it anymore. I'm not going to hold on to $11,000 debt when I've been forgiven a $7 billion debt. See, that's what Jesus has done. He's forgiven us of a debt that we could never pay. We can never obtain righteousness by ourselves. We can never obtain salvation by ourselves. We can never do what God wants us to do on our own. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You and I, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. I can forgive someone because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It doesn't matter how great the offense. It doesn't matter if you weren't in the wrong. It does not matter. What matters is that we forgive. Because if we have anything holding us back, it's going to be unforgiveness. Amen? There's so many things that can hold us back, but really it all stems from unforgiveness. If there is hurt in your life, it probably stems back to unforgiveness. You can't forgive the person that hurt you. You might have had a bad growing up, bad upbringing. You might have been abused as a child, and we're having issues now in our lives. Why? Because I can't forgive the ones that hurt me. I can't forgive the ones that abused me. I can't forgive the ones that have wronged me. And God's telling you today, right now, this morning, forgive so you can let it go, release it, and move on. Because that's what God wants for us all. Amen? How, 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 why, why does Jesus say that? Forgive. If someone holds anything against you, forgive them. Otherwise, your father can't forgive you. Because unless I really grasp what that kind of forgiveness is, that's going to hold me back. If I I can't really grasp completely the forgiveness that Jesus has provided for me, if I'm holding offense, if I'm not forgiving someone of something small, when I've been forgiven of something great, I don't really understand the greatness that I've been forgiven of, right? If I can't forgive something small, do I really get the big forgiveness that I've gotten from God? Maybe not. It doesn't mean it has to end that way, amen? You're, here, you're hearing this message right now. Why? It's not a coincidence. Because if there's something that's holding you back, God wants you to forgive, let it go, release it, give it permission to go, and move on, amen? Let's look at Luke chapter 23 to close here today. Luke chapter 23. Forgiveness. Again, it means to let it go. Let it go. It means to release. Just like we driving a stick. You, you release off that clutch. You slowly ease into the gas, right? We let go of the hurt and pain, and we just ease into God's truth, and then what? Then we go. We let go. We release. We permit it to depart. And when we understand forgiveness, it frees us. It encourages us. It, it changes us. And when we forgive, the result is peace. The result is peace, just like for Joseph. The result is peace. It's provision, it's a plan from God, and it's perspective. And faith is what helps us to forgive. That's why Jesus talked about the fig tree, and then faith, and then believing, and praying in forgiveness, because faith will help us to forgive. Because I'm trusting in God more than I'm trusting in the situation. Amen? And in Luke 23, verse 34, now Jesus is on the cross. He's gone through his insane court case where they've had no evidence to prove him guilty. 
He's gone from this ridiculous courtroom to this ridiculous courtroom, and it's just been absolute absurdity. And then after that, they put a bag on his head, and they punch him, and they're beating him, and they're saying, prophesy, who's hitting you? Prophesy, Messiah, who's hitting you? Then they whip him with the cat of nine tails, and then they, they put the cross that he's going to be hung on on his back, on his raw back as he's walking down the streets carrying this, this heavy, heavy cross. And then they pierce his hands and nails. And so now, after the crown of thorns and him being up there, everyone's looking at him. Everyone that has been involved in the process is down below, staring at him, mocking him, ridiculing him. His mother and his closest friends are there crying and weeping. And what is Jesus saying in verse 34? Father Forgive them, but they don't know what they're doing. We talk about who had every right to not forgive. At this moment, Jesus had every right to not forgive, but the forgiveness didn't hold him back from fulfilling the plan for you and I. Amen? The very people, right, that were integral in every moment of his crucifixion, every moment of the pain he endured, right, for the penalty of our sin, every moment of every single time of that day was there looking at him, and as he's up on the cross, he's looking down, and he forgives them. I can't imagine what it felt like to be the Roman soldier that hammered the nails into the man that's hanging up on a cross and then looking at him and hearing him ask to forgive me of my mistakes. Him forgiving me of what I did wrong. I have no idea what my response would be. But I do know what the response is for my sins. I accept forgiveness very quickly. Amen? Because why? We've been forgiven such a huge debt. Jesus has paid the penalty for our sins. You know what's amazing? When, you talk, when we talk about this, right? We talk about our sin, our mistakes, our past mistakes, us having forgiveness of sins. Jesus fully paid the penalty. See, the good ruler, right, he forgave the debt. He didn't pay for it himself. That ruler and the ungrateful servant, he just wiped the debt clean. Jesus paid the debt in full. He didn't wipe it clean. He fully paid for it. So all the pain and the punishment of everyone in the entire existence of humanity, from the beginning until the very, very end, he didn't just say, oh, don't worry about it. No, he took the punishment for the sin on himself on the cross. He lived a perfect sinless life and died the death of a sinner. Why? Because that's the only way that God the Father could have provided salvation for you and I. See, this is a message that it doesn't matter how long you've been walking with the Lord. This is something we always have to remember. It's a good, like, reality check. It kind of realigns us a little bit, right? Forgiveness is so important. It's important for every facet of our lives. It's important between us and our Heavenly Father, and it's important between us and our family around us, too. When we forgive, we let go, we release, and we move on. Today, don't let unforgiveness hold you back. Let's pray. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you in Jesus' name. And Father, I pray right now for all of us in this room, Lord, all of us hearing this right now, Father, that if there's those in our lives that we have yet to forgive, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit will speak to us, give us the names, give us the time, give us the event, give us the situation, give us the circumstance, Lord, so that we can specifically address it right now today 
and forgive and move on in Jesus' name. Lord, I know that you are a good, good father. You don't want to see your children enslaved. You don't want to see your children sad. You don't want to see them in pain. You want to see them free, released, happy, experiencing that abundant life that you've talked about. So, Father, I pray that right now as we come before you, that you help us. You help us to identify with the things that we're lacking, the things that we need, the things that have been holding us back, Lord, so we can forgive and move on. We pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, this, the true forgiveness starts with the relationship with Jesus Christ. That's how it really begins. Because unless we experience that forgiveness of all of our sin, all of our past mistakes, all the present mistakes, and even the future mistakes we may make. See, if I don't fully grasp that, I can't fully grasp for forgiveness for the people around me. So if you've never experienced the forgiveness that Christ has provided by being that atoning sacrifice on that cross, then we're going to say a prayer with you, and I encourage you to say it with us. Because this is what matters. So everyone say, Jesus. Say, be my Lord and be my Savior. Say, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe you are alive from the dead. Lord, live in me. Lord, work in me. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you'd like more information about the church or would like to support our ministry, head over to ChristianFaithCTR.com. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app.